But the first day, like, I'd be up in a tree, mm -hmm. and it's a three-story house, I believe, and out of a window, Sharon Stone, I mean, I'm working on what I'm working on, I'm here, hi, Tim, and there's Sharon Stone, you know, it's just like, ah, <laughs> fall out of the tree. And uh, so, so she, yeah, yeah, that's really, you know, it's, it's, uh, okay. it's a trip. So, yeah. you know, celebrities are like, you know, they're startling, they're startling. Welcome to 15 Minutes, a podcast about fame, episode two. I'm Jamie Berger. I want to start by thanking everyone for all the listens and likes and reposts this past week. I'd also like to reiterate that while it's lovely to have on, as John put it, a somewhat famous minor television personality, author, comedian, and former literary agent like John Hodgman, it's going to be equally great to have people from the other side of the wall recounting days of your little league stardom or telling us about the day when you were 11 and you actually finally got to meet Fred Savage and it all went so horribly wrong. So please consider going to our Facebook page or to 15minutesjamieberger.com and being in touch. We'd love to hear your stories. My guest today, and by today I mean a couple of years ago when we recorded this, is Tim Lockfeld, an old friend and colleague from San Francisco. Tim and I worked together in the Telephone Information Program, also known as TIP, at the San Francisco Public Library. Our job entailed sitting at desks situated around a giant floor-to-ceiling, wedding-cake, lazy Susan of shelves of reference books and answering whatever questions people would call the library and ask. We had a lot of regulars, one of whom was a grizzled old shut-in named Ray, who'd call several times a day, starting each call with his signature shout, I'm blind! before proceeding to ask an unpredictably wide and deep variety of questions. In fact, my most memorable slip-up at the library came in answer to one of Ray's queries. We were, of course, supposed to find and cite a source for every answer. But it was maybe his third call of the day, and I was, I don't know, tired, maybe hungover, feeling lazy. Ray told me he'd been given a bottle of Pinot Grigio. And he asked me if it was red or white. In my lethargy, I said red. And as he hung up the phone, I started to say, no, white. But he was gone. The next day, I apologized, but Ray didn't seem to care much. Sometimes when he'd call, Ray would be strumming on a guitar. And one time I asked him about it. And from then on, he'd sometimes play and sing for me. And once he told me that back in Kansas City, he'd opened for Jerry Lee Lewis, which he was very proud of. Over the years, as Alta Vista, then Webcrawler, and Excite, and Hotbot, which I had forgotten about, and Ask Jeeves, then that goofy-sounding Yahoo thing came, 
and had us clicking more and more than spinning the carousel for books. The calls started to come in more and more sporadically, until eventually, with the dawn of Google, the phone hardly rang at all, except with calls from regulars like Ray. And we had less and less to do and more and more time to chat. So Tim and I became close friends, and he told me some great stories. Outside of the Lockfeld household, Tim Lockfeld is not a household name. And when I first suggested I wanted to record him, he didn't understand why. He said, as many of you have said, but I'm not famous. And I explained that that wasn't the point. That he'd certainly lived an interesting life as a skater who'd come up with some of my childhood heroes like Tony Alva. And a surfer, a world traveler, a certified arborist. And after thinking about it for just a little while, he came up with a lot more than we could uh, fit in in just this one visit, so I hope we'll do it again sometime. For this first conversation, Tim talks about his fateful role in bringing the worlds of punk rock and skateboarding together, his own skating and acting careers, as well as his relationship with Sharon Stone. We recorded this one afternoon in fall of 2014 in a dingy, cavernous, nearly always empty cafe on the border of San Francisco's Civic Center and Tenderloin neighborhoods. So, Tim, who am I? Tim what's my claim to fame? Tim who am I? Who are you? Who are you? Right now. I, I am the person that put skateboarding and punk rock together. I'm not sure if you're being facetious. I'm not. I'm not at all. I took Tony Alva, Steve Olson. Tony Alva, who was not punk rock at all when I was a little kid, I remember. No, no, he was uh, gritty. Kind of long he was, hair, a little uh, greasy. He related to the Mexican uh, gangster kind of thing. Uh-huh. So him, Steve Olson, who, uh, you know, he's a artist now and godfather of punk. Steve Alba, who is also considered, who's still skating, uh-huh. amazing skater, uh, took all of them to the clash in 1979 there was a contest in san jose a winchester contest mm-hmm. where you are where were you, you were, where were you all living and skating i was living in palo alto and we were skating in san jose but uh and there was other people i took but those are the famous people right but my best friend peter gifford was there uh-huh. kiwi gifford he was top skater at the time and he took he won that contest if i remember correctly six guns across the flat bottom I told him, I said, point your fingers like guns, because it's the Winchester shootout they call it. I go, Kiwi, when you're going across the flat bottom, use your fingers uh-huh. and cross your hands uh-huh. like this, uh-huh. and it's the shootout, right? And, it, and it'll be he, he style got, points, major he, style points. He, Kiwi got <laughs> first place. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, so so, so before the clash, what, what did these guys listen to? And then we'll talk about Oh, the, they were the Ted show. Nugent. They Ted were, Nugent. Uh, Ted Nugent, I say, would, would be their uh, most uh, okay. dismal uh, influence. So you but, went, you know, Aerosmith, uh, uh, yeah. whatnot. Rock and roll, whatnot. rock music. Yeah, uh, middle of the, well, not middle of the road, uh, but Sammy Hagar, yeah. uh, probably. American uh, hard rock. Uh, yeah. So so what, what, how did this class show change it, everything? How did it change? It changed everything. Uh, how? Did they just fall in love? Yeah, the next month they're, you know, in their, well, even actually that contest, I gave a t-shirt to Steve Alba, 
that had leopard prints, he traded me a brand new Kryptonic shirt. Mm -hmm. And so, hey, I'm cool and he's cool. And he, every time he sees me, he always talks about that shirt. He goes, I can't believe I lost that shirt. But uh, no, if you think about, I mean, really, uh, it, it changed uh, the direction of uh, popular culture, really. I mean, I mean, I don't like that, you know, that it's got co-opted. I don't, you know, if it had stayed marginalized, it'd probably be better. But the fact is, is that skateboarding became mainstream. Punk rock, you know, went along for the ride, or one or the other, I don't know which. But, uh, but I, I mean, I'm not famous for it, but that's something no. that I've done. Yeah, that, uh, yeah, yeah. That, that uh, probably is the, uh, uh, that's the, uh, apex of my uh, existence in a way well it's the that's your that's your most influential thank you moment. is that the word influential yes yeah. that's yeah. where you yeah, were you. Uh, yeah, the tipping point might be the right term oh, sorry okay. you're the connector oh yeah, yeah who made that all I wasn't like uh, right in the mix as a professional uh, competitive skateboarder I was in the mix as a uh, a style uh, uh you know, uh, consulted, but not, you were like the the flavor flavor of, of perhaps. But he did more than just stand around with he a big did, watch. You you didn't you didn't. Uh, I skateboarded. I was good. Yeah. There was a point, a couple contests where I thought I'm going to enter this contest and I can do good because I, I it was my uh, the newer contest. The weeks leading up to that, I was doing fronts, but I wasn't into tricks. That was a problem. And when it came to skateboarding and tricks, I I didn't uh, tricks are for kids. I always said it was more about going fast. Being on edge uh -huh. and looking cool. It was style. Uh -huh. uh, okay. So, but I didn't really, when, when I thought of talking to you about this, I, 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 frankly, you've got that, you've got some interactions with other celebrities, but I've always, I, I think of you as someone who has, uh, you have star quality. And I could Thank have you. seen you as an actor, especially because I always thought of you as kind of like the, the American Tim Roth. Right. Well, that was really <laughs> awkward when they were filming that when that movie came out. Which you know, one? Reservoir Dogs. Ah, well, yeah. before that came off, the guys following me around. Right. He was like, because he's an English guy. Did you know that? Yeah. He's an English guy. I right? do know that. So yes. this guy was shadowing me for like three weeks. But what are you talking about? You didn't know that? No. No, the guy Tim Roth. He'd be like, I do the, the yeah. I'd sit, well, I'd, I didn't know the guy from Adam. But I'd see him, whatever, and he'd just look away, and I go, Where? "That's weird. That guy looks like me." And then to, to sit through that movie, what are you talking watch about? That, I don't know. What it was you're like watching about. a mirror. It was like, you know what I mean? It was like, you know, when you. I haven't seen Tim in a few years, and I'm not sure right now whether he's gone off the deep end. So that never happened, right? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get back to reality for a second. Um, uh, but you did act and you did skate when people became stars and famous for it. And do, did you ever... Well, when you acted, what were, what were your ambitions? When I acted... Well, I guess I wanted to be James Dean at, at the time. Yeah. Did you want to be famous? I think that was the thing. And that's, well, that's why I got out of acting, because I didn't have the passion for the craft. It, it was more I wanted to be patted on the back and to pe people to say, that guy's cool, that guy's... Uh, uh, you know, and to... Yeah. All the wrong reasons, right? Yeah. But you also, when I mentioned this topic to you, your immediate thought was, yeah, I can tell my... Should we say her name? Sharon Stone? Yeah. Yeah. I signed a non-disclosure thing, but I think that's statute of limitations, right? Okay. So you're an arborist. 
You Can we do this without my real name? Okay, <laughs> we could start over. You're an arborist. You work on Beale Trees here in San Francisco. Certified arborist. Certified. You're certified in many. Not ways. a gardener. Certifiable arborist. Not a gardener. Arborist. I'm not a landscaper. Uh-huh. No, I won't haul all your trash. I'm a certified arborist. So you you work at some fancy houses. Well, yeah, that's the idea anyway. Yeah, yeah. And you were so so. So take it and okay. take it. Okay. So how I met Sharon Stone. I recently bought a. Uh, 1966 Ford uh, um, uh, 600 what was it uh, that had a built in chipper it was a beautiful truck and it was green uh, it was old as you know old at the time this is probably 90 99 or maybe 2000 mm-hmm. I think it's 99 and uh, I brought it to a job that a bunch of friends were working on and to show it off this is in Seacliff area and they're working and I'm waiting for them to go to lunch and I'm reading a newspaper back when there were newspapers and all of a sudden I see Sharon Stone coming out with her parents what looks like her parents I don't know that her parents no. but I um, so I buried my head in my paper because I go this is a private moment they're having I'm not going to share it stare uh, stare it stare it I'm not going to share it stare Stone and so I think uh, whatever for whatever reason she came up to me after she said goodbye to her parents and she said that is a really nice truck and I go thank you and she goes no that is a really nice truck I go thank you she goes um, uh, what do you do I go uh, I'm a tree trimmer I'm an arborist uh, you didn't mention the certification at the time. I, I don't think I wasn't certified at the time. Ah, well, it might be sexier actually. So anyway, so then I go, uh, I go. Um, what do you have? Any trees? That she goes. Oh, I have a lot of trees. Everything she said was suggestive, and it's, just, it's not an act. It's what she is, I guess, yeah. or she believes she is. And I have nothing bad to say about her. Um, no, a couple bad things, but. Uh, so, but the upshot was I got, I got work from her. Mm-hmm. So, and then I, she goes, do you have a card? And at the time I had a card that said, Tim Lockfeld, arborist slash provocateur. So she didn't say anything about anything about it, but then I get a call from her personal assistant. Yeah. And very seriously, she said, what kind of provocateur? And I said, a good kind. And she said, okay. Okay. And we're going to have to sign the non-disclosure. Right. And, uh. So it was on. At that point, it was on. So the first day I worked there... Um, it was, this is when Sharon... I don't know if she still lives here. No, she doesn't. But she was with Phil Bronstein, she was the, married the publisher to Phil of the San Francisco Chronicle. And a known, like, macho war yes. correspondent type who just had an yes. image of being a, a man's man. And I, too, had an interaction with her, but it was very, very brief, where I, I was working at a you front did? desk at the Chronicle... I was working the editorial, the, the, the news oh, right, desk, right. and she walked by, and, and like she was just like, "Hello, how are you today?" Like, no reason to stop. How are you? And I was like, "I'm, I'm fine." She's Sharon, she's Sharon Stone. How are you? Yes, yeah, that's how she. That's she, how she operates. She said that night, and then she saw Phil or somebody. She had to, and then she moved along. But she probably said, "Excuse me," and she's yes. just like, "Boom!" She's like a just like a human being. Uh, kind of. Kind superhuman of a superhuman being. Okay, so back to your story. Uh, so back to the story. So I, uh, the first job, uh, 
you know, the first encounter with her, I wasn't that nervous for some reason. Mm -hmm. I was just in such a, in shock. So, uh, but the second time, uh, I was nervous. Mm -hmm. And I brought the A-team guys with me. I don't know if we had two or three people working. I'd worked on the property before, interestingly enough. It had been owned by a, uh, a gay couple. Uh, very rich, very nice. Uh, they had real class as far as uh, decorating. Mm -hmm. Sharon took all the ivy off the walls. I don't like ivy much, but it was a very different feel. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't exactly happy with what she'd done uh, with the landscaping. Mm -hmm. But uh, the trees, which overlooks China Beach, uh, were beautiful. And uh, I'd been helping maintain them. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but the first day, like I'd be up in a tree, mm -hmm. and it's a three-story house, I believe, and out of a window, Sharon Stone, I mean, I'm working on what I'm working on, I'm here, hi, Tim, and there's Sharon Stone, you know, it's just like, ah, <laughs> fall out of the tree. And uh, so, so she, yeah, yeah, that's really, you know, it's, it's, uh, okay. it's a trip. So, yeah. you know, celebrities are like, you know, they're startling, they're yeah. startling. They can take you out of your, um, your um, yourself. And she had, um, she wasn't just a celebrity, she seems to have had a lot of that, that, that quality, that charisma. She did. Well, that's why yeah. she was a, yeah. a celebrity. Yeah, actually, a true yeah. celebrity, yeah. Um, so this went on, and I, uh, I would go back every six months or so, and uh, had some interesting run-ins with her. Uh, one time, one time I, I trimmed too hard on a particular place, Mm -hmm. they, they felt it was too much. And so, so Sharon came out and she's like, oh, you took out a lot there. And it, Phil was there at the same time. And at that point, Phil heard her, took that as his cue to charge. And he goes, you have no idea. There's, there are gonna be photographers down there with, with telephoto lenses pointed right up here. You have fucked this whole thing up. What the fuck? And then Sharon like, now hold on, Phil. They'll grow back, won't they, Tim? Yes, they'll grow back. So, and then uh, I didn't hear from him for for a while. And then I talked to the personal assistant. And then, but so I felt bad about it, right? But then, uh, oh, for some reason, I was supposed to talk to her, and so I was nervous about it. But weeks went by, and the personal assistant called and said, "Oh, by the way." Sharon and Phil love what you've done. They've changed their minds that they didn't like it. They now love what you, well, you could have told me, right? And then the other great story, well, I have two more great stories with Sharon Stone. So the landscaper who I got to be friends with was uh, uh, a lesbian woman, uh, nice woman I did a lot of work with uh, after this. But, and I'm, I was talking to her about mm -hmm. it, I go, because she was very good friends with Sharon. They went on vacation together. They went down to Mexico. They hung out together, and I go, don't you get nervous around Sharon? And she goes, no, no, no. And I go, well, I kind of always just get awkward, and I don't, you know, don't know how to talk. And this, and she goes, Tim, Sharon thinks you're really well. Actually, the way she said it was more, it was more grudging. It was, Sharon thinks you're cool. I go, what? She goes. Yeah, yeah, Sharon thinks you're really cool, okay? <laughs> so don't be nervous kind of thing. And so when you hear Sharon Stone thinks you're cool, that can do a lot of things to a man. <laughs> I think I remember. We yeah. were working and, together at yeah, that time. Yeah, and I, I talked and to Julie. I remember Julia, actually, telling, yeah. I think I talked to Julie. I said, if I had an affair with her, would it? Yeah, well, well, how would you feel about that? What did she say? 
Oh, she wasn't down with it. She wasn't? It wasn't like like friends? Like the list? No, it wasn't. I mean, she was a big enough celebrity and it was an, such an impossibility that she didn't That's why scratch she my eyes out. Right. Uh, and then the other one was there was a new neighbor, a, a young Texas couple had moved in next door. And I think the whole thing was a ploy to meet Sharon Stone, but there was a branch of Sharon's that they wanted cut off to do some some remodeling or some re-landscaping. So we had to talk to Sharon. Sharon found out about it. I had to be there because it's a tree issue. Um, and uh, so not only did the Texas couple come, but the, the architect for the Texas couple, the landscaper for the Texas couple, and maybe some other people were there. So we're all at her front door. You ring, the door is answered, and you wait. That's what you do when you, when you go to, either you're, go, either you're let inside and you wait in the great you know, staircase, or you, which was you know, like big staircase, yeah. like a gone with the wind type thing. And she'd always come down, just slowing down the stairs. Yeah. I should tell the first time, the first time I, I, I ever, uh, uh, we walked around her property, going up the stairs, she was wearing a very loose, obviously one of a kind, kind of uh, gym clothes, right? And I don't think, there was no underwear, but these are very steep sta stairs, you understand? And I was behind her, and her bottom was like within probably four inches of my face. Mm -hmm. End of story, right? Okay. I, I'm not that, I'm, and it was a long staircase, you know? Yeah, it took time. It took time. Uh, and so anyway, I'll, back to the other story. You're off in a reverie there for a moment. I lost him for a second there. I mean, he's back now. And he's going to return to that other story. So anyway, so there's all these people waiting for Sharon. And they're kind of, you know, talking among themselves. And it's a long time, maybe 15 minutes. Sharon opens the door. She sees me. She goes, Tim, hug, kiss. And I think I was so like freaked out. I, she probably wanted to kiss me on the cheek, you know. But I, she kissed me on the cheek. And everybody there, I, I was the new, everybody wanted my card. I, you know, it was like, this guy must be something. That's funny. Yeah. You could have moved to LA and be a celebrity. Well, she did move to LA and I, uh, and I told her, I, did I fax her? Because I had her number, because whatever, I was still in touch with her. I said, I, I do have some clients in LA, and I, I could work on your property, but I didn't hear from her. She found somebody new. Sorry, bro. Sorry. Well, thank you. But what does this teach us about what celebrities? What does that teach us? What does it make you feel about celebrities? Well, exactly, yeah. The thing is, is she was such a nice person that yeah. it, it, I don't think, but I think that even though she was a very nice person, she wasn't living in our world. She is not, she doesn't, just like a very beautiful person, a very beautiful man or woman, doesn't really live in the same world that other people do. They think that the world is a different place. Any regrets or thoughts about not having pursued it more aggressively? Pursuing Sharon, Sharon Stone? Oh, oh, uh, the, yeah, no fame, not Sharon Stone. No, I really don't because, as I said, uh, uh, at one point I did a couple plays in a row yeah. that got reviewed in the Chronicle. Yeah, they got great reviews in the Chronicle. I got singled out. And on uh, one of them, I got Gerald Notchman. Remember him? In yeah. The Chronicle? Yeah, sure. He put me on the list of uh, best performances of '92 mm -hmm. or some, whatever year it was. Mm -hmm. And so at the time, I said I'm going to give myself six months mm -hmm. to uh, uh, 
to audition. And I did a great, it's this great audition. And, and uh, Berkeley Rep wanted me. They, they said, we want you to understudy for this part. Um, it was a speed the plow. Oh, wow. And it, it wasn't like you can audition for this part. It basically they said, you've got it. Just mm -hmm. come in and meet so-and-so, right? And I went in there and I auditioned for that. And then they, they didn't want me. And then I, I did a number of auditions. And, you know, it's that whole rejection thing. So uh, a six-month period went by. And then I, a lot of things happened that, that summer. I uh, made some other... I made some mistakes, you know, I uh, think a lot of it, a lot of these things that I thought I wanted to do, I want to do because I felt like I was kind of deserving because I was kind of famous, you know what I mean? I think a, that was part of it, you know. So I saw that, you know, A, my motives for wanting to, uh, to, to pursue an art is to get laid and right. to you and right. to go crazy. Yeah. And if, if, I, if I experience this incremental amount, yeah. just what exactly is going to happen yeah, yeah. if I, if yeah. I uh, strike it big, right? Yeah. So, and you have gone on to live a, a wonderful. Well, and I think that uh, so then I then the family thing, and I I kind of had a line at first. Are you doing Are you doing theater? Are you acting? And I'd say, or, Are you doing art? I go, Yeah, I am. I'm doing art. I'm, I'm you know creating this family. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm molding this family, you know, and it's like, uh, and I think that in some ways I've sublimated a lot of that artistic, uh, artistic uh, uh, drive and passion into uh, other aspects that mm -hmm. really benefit me. Family know? and, and you know, travel. Yeah, travel. Tim travels a lot. So, uh, all right, thanks. All right, well, really let's, let's, let's wrap. Let's just do a little, tiny little wrap-up here, though, let's say. You want to wrap on this? Well, yeah, I'm, well, maybe we'll do this again another time. We're being closed out of our cafe here. Uh, no, That's no. That's okay. Thanks, Tim. So to bring it all to a head, oh, yeah, yeah. well, thank you. Bring it okay. to Okay. You want to call, you got, you got something? Well, unaccustomed as I am to public speaking. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. That was Tim Lockville. And this is 15 Minutes. I'm Jamie Berger. Thanks for listening.